Yesterday, the bowling community lost a dear friend and competitor, Matt DiTullio. Always seen with a smile, Matt was one of the friendliest and most kind people to walk into a bowling alley, as well as a fierce competitor. We at The Approach and the entire bowling family, and yes, we are all a family. We would like to send our sincerest thoughts and prayers to Matt's family, especially his wife, Lindsay, and his daughter, Ellie. We will definitely miss you, and we'd like to dedicate this episode to you. Rest easy, Maddie. And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. So welcome to episode six of The Approach. I am your host, Jeremy Seaholm. And I'm Danny Finn. What's going on? Not much. Big, big podcast today. I think the one that a lot of people were looking forward to. The funny thing is, on the podcast with Corey, we had said, you know, Tommy's our bucket list guy. And then, what, a couple days after we had that interview, things kind of fell in line that Tommy's coming in. So that all worked out really well. That worked out awesome. You, you couldn't have planned that any better. No, you absolutely couldn't have. Like, I know there were some people that said we should have got more on video, but we stuck with what we knew. Uh, hopefully, you know, when you listen to the interview, you'll hear you know, he does potentially plan on being up here a little bit more in the future, and we'll get into that more. But when he comes up, maybe we can have him on again. Maybe we will do a video sometime in the future, but I think we wanted to stick with what we knew. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't want to really overwhelm him either exactly you know? here's 75 cameras and go <laughs> so <laughs> it's like you know because he, he even said like you know i don't do interviews i don't do this and that's so like exactly next thing you know he walks into a like a tv studio you know and he's just yeah. like i'm out thought monitors everywhere well we could always do the intro and talk for 25 minutes but i'm sure people are saying all right hurry up jeremy and danny get off the air so tommy can start speaking so we'll get him in here now and uh We'll start the podcast there. Yeah, it's just going to be a little bit of a longer one because, you know, you don't get that opportunity too much. I don't think we're going to get too many complaints on that. No, I don't think so either. Because if we went with our normal length, they'd be like, I want more. Exactly. And hopefully we'll get more even after that as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Here we go. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for coming out. And a huge thank you to to Keith and Aaron for setting this up because this is... This is a dream for me, anyway. Well, thanks for having me. Brendan, too, for kind of even mentioning it. Yeah, no, definitely. You had, you were talking to us before. You Your, your grandfather owned a little, or ran a small four-lane house underneath a, you said a diner? Well, it was a Tiny's Cafe in Oxford, right on Main Street. Um, there was four lanes on the side, and the, the bar was way in the back. Yeah. And that's where I pulled, but I was, Four years old, five years old then, that's it. But I still remember the place. No, so he was the one that actually got you into into the game. Yes, he yeah. we did a lot of bowling together. He taught me how to bowl. Yeah. So at what point like I mean, was it right away that you're like, Okay, I like doing this. This is I don't know. It was yeah. something that, that um, I was good at. I went a few years, I didn't bowl, I'm gonna say from age of eight to 10, seven to 10. I don't know if I bowled at all, we were moving. Then I started bowling again, say at about 10 years old and took right off. Now, did you play any other sports or anything? Yeah, Yeah. a jock if you wanna say baseball. (laughs) Uh, Now it's golf, I love sports. 
I, I had the same kind of relationship with my grandfather where I mean, he didn't teach me how to bowl. It was, it was more Helen Salou that taught me how to bowl, but he showed up to everything. He went to all my matches, every, everything. And it was, it was for him that like, I actually, I stuck with it and wanted to get, you know, better. We watched the bowling show on Saturdays every, every, every weekend. So I totally get that, that relationship. Um, how often did you practice? A lot. <laughs> I was I was always at the bowling alley with my grandfather. Yeah. And if you go way back, my grandfather always lived with us. And I guess it started at an early age. My mother would go in a room because I was quiet, and there'd be a note on my bed. I've got Tom with me. I've got <laughs> my grandfather at the bowling alley. So it started really young for me. And then uh, my grandfather worked at a bowling alley, and I ended up managing the Hippodrome in Southbridge, and my grandfather worked for me. Yeah. So, How weird is that? How, having, having, oh. having your grandfather work around a lot, or did he let him do whatever he wanted to do? Well, I don't know if I should say it like this, but I'd go up to him in the summer and say, hey, old man, you ready to get your ass kicked? <laughs> and oh, oh, he'd go get his bowling bag, and we were gone. We were bowling. <laughs> he would yeah. just, you know, go crazy. And that, that's, that's awesome. It was nice. Um, so I mean, obviously, at some point, it had to just click. When you're like, okay, I kind of figured this game out. You know, I, I think I took off at such a young age. I was averaging 120 at 12 years old. <laughs> so it didn't. I didn't have time to realize what was going on. I just it was something that I was good at, and I, I was already Apparently. bowling with all the guys well, around at 12, 13 years old. So you were bowling against adults at 12 years old? Yes. I bowled my first money match at 13. Wow. Was was that the, actually, I was I was skimming the book earlier. Was that, uh, you bowled with the guy from Baypath or Bogey? Yes, Don Lasham. And, and and the guys took up the match, like, oh, he, he, we're, we're bowling a 13-year-old. This will be gravy. Yeah, I would feel pretty confident, too, bowling against a 13-year-old before I realized he was a 120-plus average. Well, of course. I don't know if this was before or after. I mean, you entered a Channel 5 roll-off at 13. Yes. And they allowed you in. Well, no, I, I bowled as a—the the finals was at the Hippodrome Lanes okay. where I bowled, and they needed a pacer. And ironically, I won it. But I was just pacing, but I won by a lot. <laughs> and if if I would have been able to get on TV, that was during Tony Caron's run of 15 weeks. Oh, God. Oh, who wow. had the record. Yeah. So it would have been something. All right. So so it wasn't actually that you entered the roll-off, won the roll-off, and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would have because I, I did. I also, all the TV roll-offs, I bowled as them anyhow. Just just cause. Just a bowl. And I would have qualified as it was yeah. to bowl in it. But was there an age cutoff for that? Or eighteen. Eighteen? Yeah. So were you eighteen when you were on TV for the first time? Sixteen. What happened is they decided to lower the age. I heard different stories, but they heard there were some kids out there that could bowl. Mm -hmm. And so they did away with the age limit. And that was in 73, because I got entered the state tournament, the men's singles, and won that, and then got on TV right after that. Do you remember who your first opponent was on TV? Might have been Jim Barber. There's no, I was about to say, there's no slouch. No. <laughs> and he still has a full head of hair. Yeah? <laughs> so he's got me beat there. No, obviously, I mean, that, that, that kind of ruffled some feathers. A little bit. I mean... Yes, I won't get into it. But <laughs> no, 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 no. It did. They, they, 
they were going to talking about raising it back to 18 so I wouldn't yeah. be able to bowl and they decided keep it at 16 the following year I was going to be 17 they went to 17 and I think they went back to 18 so they basically grandfathered they kept it, kept on going up every year so you you made Channel 5 at 16 you won the states at 16 no it was still at Fairway at that, bowl, at that yes. point yeah. describe what that was like bowling in the state tournament like in the 70s like in at, oh, at, at huge Fairway. field I believe Fairway had 32 lanes. Yeah, we did. And it was a big house. It was packed. It was mob. Five deep, six deep. You couldn't walk in there. Yeah. People were there to watch the tournament. It was an entirely different scene than it was towards the end of when I was bowling. Yeah. Uh, the place was packed. Yeah. I mean, my, my father was in the youth league at, at Fairway. I don't know if he was still in the 70s or not, but... He he said it was it was crazy like and the amount of money that behind the scenes that was you know changing hands a little bit. I think the first time we ever really did anything it wasn't really for money but I bowled for the Westfield team. Um, Dave Romani, yep. Jeff Atkins, Jack Ray, and John Miller. Well, we bowled Paul Romani, Charlie Drutris, Jack David, Dick Smuss. And I think Tony Gilbo, we pulled him for a case of beer. <laughs> we were known as the kids. None of us were old enough to drink. We're all teenagers. Now we beat him. What was oh, we was got that beer? Nice. <laughs> now was that one of your? I think I said that was like your favorite team that you bowled with or one of. Yes, because it was the early one. Um, you go back to the fairway sports world. We'd go in. Everybody be wanting to know where the kids bowling. Yeah, because of the men's team. Right. We were known as the kids. Now, when you won won the states at sixteen, I'm, I'm curious what what's Helen's reaction to that? I mean, I mean, did did she care? Or? It, okay, it felt good, but. I don't know. I was already bowling. Right, but but I mean, like, yeah. he, like, so like, it's, when Helen's over, it's like, oh, the sixteen-year-old kid wins. Like, like, she's like, is that is that right or not? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like she's such a stickler for rules. Like, I don't know. She'd be upset about it. No, there was, you know, I didn't really feel one way or another about it. I guess the only thing I got, I got in a little trouble because the night before I went ten pin bowling with my buddies to try ten pin. <laughs> I get yelled at by my grandfather. What are you doing? You're bowling in a tournament tomorrow. So it's like, you know, your typical thing as a kid. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. A lot of people will say bowling a different type of bowling, ten pin or duck pin throws them off. Some people say it makes them better. Notice any difference with that, or obviously the two games are so different, but I don't think ten pin threw me off that much. But if I went duck pin bowling, mm -hmm. that threw me off because it's so similar. Right, the balls what three quarters of an inch in diameter bigger, yeah. but you hold it the same way, you're throwing it the same way. It's kind of the same game, but ten pin's different. And enough. ten pin is a whole different game. The ball's so heavy, you, it, it's different. No, no, like you said, like the atmosphere was 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 crazy. Now. This, the atmosphere was the same at the TV tapings too, like Channel Five, like especially like the early Sammy White days. Like I've been watching a lot of those those shows. It seemed like that was always a rowdy crowd. Yes, it was huge crowds. They were always you know very huge crowds, especially at Sammy White's. But I never heard them. No, I, I, tuned, I tuned everything out when I bowled. See, I can't do that. I know like, a lot of people in Germany said this himself that when you're on TV and all the lights, you're nervous for about the first two boxes. Did you have that same jitters, or was it just bowling for you? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. It, 
depends on how I felt. I yeah. didn't feel that way just getting out there to bowl. Sometimes you don't feel comfortable the first few boxes. Yeah. But I didn't pay attention to what was going on. I, the, the thing about bowling is there's no defense. It's right. you. Right. So all I could do was control what I could do. I can't control what you could do. And we were, that's how I looked at it. We were talking, too, about the intensity on the lanes between opponents now versus back in Channel 5 days. Back then, there was not a lot of high-fiving, fist bumps, great shot. <laughs> no. If we were on the lanes, okay, yes, you come off, nice shot, that's it. The talking was minimal. Yeah, we were friends. We are all friends right. to begin with. But we went after each other. Oh, that, and that's what Craig said. He he said, I mean, it, it, it was like wars. Yeah, he said it changed around the Channel 50 days that people started a little bit more with the fist bumps after yeah. after the made shots. But do you miss that intensity on the lanes that there was and the, the wars that were fought on those lanes? Yeah, the competition, you know, the friendships you develop. But yeah, the fierce rival getting there, and, and you're not just bowling there's not just one or two guys showing up. You got an alley full of guys that can win at any time. Yeah. It was really fierce. Well, that and that's what we keep, we've brought up a few times with, with Dent and with Craig. Like, you know, you, when you averaged around 120, you were, you were just kind of, like, you were good, but you kind of got lost in the shuffle because there were so many yeah. great, great bowlers averaging 125 or more. Now, now everybody, if you're a 120 bowler, everybody knows who you are at this point. Yeah. Well, when I first started, I would say if you averaged 120, low 120s, that was a good score. You were good. Even the big bowlers, low 120s. Mm -hmm. And then as the game progressed, things got a little faster and averages went up a little bit. And then it got to 125 to 130, and it stayed that way. Yeah. And occasionally you had a real fast house that somebody could do damage at. But I would say most of the bowlers were between 125 and 30. Those were your bowlers, and there was a lot of them. A lot right. of them. At least in America, I think there's got to be single-digit guys that are averaging north of 125 at this point. Yeah. I mean, you have Surratt, uh, Madrone. Right. Baker's still up there. Baker's definitely up there. Um, and some guys are on the rise as well, but it's just so rare to see a 125-plus guy nowadays. Yeah, which is, which, which is too bad. But like we said, like the numbers are way down. Yeah. So what, when did, like, Worlds as we know it now, like, when did that get started? Because I know, like, Fred Honorado had told me about Fairway used to hold, like, the World Tournament and stuff like that back in, like, the 60s and, like, 70s. Do you remember them starting, like, the modern Worlds? Well, my earliest... Regular, you know, the world to team tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had to qualify for it. Oh, they expanded. There was, I believe, there was a few teams that were invited to it that had won. I'm not sure, but when I first got involved, it was at Fairway Sports World, and I'm not sure how many teams were there, but they only took so many teams. Okay. And that's when it went to 12 teams from Canada, 12 from the United States, I believe. And we had to bowl for that. And it was five wow. strings, five guys, five games. Um, you had more on your roster because I know I was told the wrong time and <laughs> I only bowled four games. <laughs> so actually, that, that was going to be one of my questions. I heard a rumor or a myth or whatever that you were late. You bowled four games, but you still threw over 600. I was still the high for the, for the uh, <laughs> I think I had 650 or so for the four games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, you know, stuff like that happens in the game. I mean, you still see it. Somebody goes crazy. Uh, I walked in off the street and, uh-oh. <laughs> that, that's, 
That's crazy. And, and so like, what was that like back in, back in like the 80s? I mean, the Canadians churned a lot. When I qualified for the team, I bowled with uh, Billy Treefull, yeah. those guys. I helped them qualify, but I didn't go up there for a couple of years. Okay. Just work, getting the time off. Yep. So I helped the team qualify. I was part of the team. And when I first went up there, it might have been three or four years later. And they told me, you know, watch out for the Canadians. I said, don't worry. <laughs> and I take a long approach. And the Canadians got right up behind you and chirped in your ear. Oh, yeah. Well, when I came back with my arm, they moved. <laughs> That's how I started. It wasn't on purpose, but I stood at the back of the lane, and my arm swung back with the ball in it, and they were going to get hit. So they moved a little bit back. And then after the first string, I, I believe the last couple of boxes, I threw big marks, and we barely won. And they backed off. My guys were just smiling. Go ahead, chirp at him. He's going to get better and better. And they left me alone after that. I was about to say, and that's so, the best way to shut them up. Yeah. Or, I shouldn't say it that way, but, you know, to get them to back off, you know what? You don't want it. To see, as long as you could yell at me, scream at me, run along the side of me, as long as you didn't touch me, you weren't bothering me. It didn't bother me. That's rare, because, I mean, obviously, like, the, the big pet peeve is, you know, getting cut off and and all that but right there are a lot of people complain about that they miss a single and it's because they saw a guy two lanes over bowling at the same time yeah somebody yelled something as they went to bowl so if, if somebody accidentally see, run by ran by you see did. i was brought up where that was uh, i'm gonna say sometimes there might have been gamemanship between the guys where oh reach down and get a ball while he's starting his approach yeah i don't know yeah i mean Everybody just bowled. You just kept on going. Did you ever hit anybody with your backswing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody asked the question. Johnny today. Brown. <laughs> yeah. She was keeping score. Out, uh, I believe it's Brian's bowl in Gardner. Gardner, yeah. And it's a short place. And she was, and like I say, I my, my first step, my arm's going back with the ball in it. I hit her. <laughs> So that is a true story. So we did ask that question. <laughs> yes. That's true. I forget how to ask it, but I guess that was the easiest way. <laughs> we laughed. Now, do you do you have a favorite match or memory from the from the worlds? Uh, the biggest memory I have is how we all got together. We hung around together for a week. Yeah. We went to the bowling. We went to breakfast as a team. We bowled as a team. Went to we went out at night as a team. It was nice. Right. I mean, these aren't guys you see all the time. These right. aren't guys that I bowled with on a regular basis. I saw them at tournaments. And Craig, he lived. You know, we all lived far apart. Some of right. these guys bowled in the same leagues, but I lived out towards the western part of the state. I wasn't around any of these guys. Right. Well, that was, that was the same for me for a while because, I mean, I grew up in Framingham. I bowled in Natick my whole life. And then my mother moved out to Brookfield. And then after a while, I moved out there. So it was hard for me to hang around all those guys. Yeah, so you know what I mean because that's right, exactly. where I lived in Sturbridge about 10, 15 minutes away. All these guys lived out towards Framingham, yeah. not towards Boston. Yeah. And I was telling him uh, before you came in here, I said, the first time I saw you on TV, that was what, what caught me. I'm like, wait, there's other people from Sturbridge? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think anybody lived there. I mean, there was. I thought there was just Sturbridge Village. That's it. I might watch this guy. And of course, you know, I was like hooked from, from there. You, you and Eddie Zernigy were my two favorites to watch. Just because like Eddie was the pinnacle of like fundamental bowling. Obviously, you know, due to his teacher. But he was just so fun also. Did you ever bowl him on Channel 5? No. No. I, I've only bowled Eddie a couple times. He didn't bowl a lot. Really? 
Yeah. For whatever reason, I don't know, he, he didn't bowl a lot. At the end, though, um, I bowled with John a lot. I hung around with John. Yeah, I, I like John. He used to pop up at Fairway every yeah, so often. John and Charlie Jutras, there's another character. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to say the last couple of years I bowled at T-Bird in Auburn, it was Eddie Zernicke, John Zernicke, and myself, three-man team. That's a good team. That's disgusting. That's a pretty good team. That's disgusting. Your team has won the Worlds. Yes. How many, how many, how many times? Maybe three, three. two, three. I'm not That's sure. One, one was with a different team. One year we went 86 and two. We lost one string all week. Now, did you usually go up with five guys? Seven. Seven? That, that, we were talking about it yeah. at the yeah. very beginning. I think it was with Dad. Yeah. How guys, teams went up with only five yeah. and then realized maybe it's better to go with six or seven. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I believe the year we went 86 and two, there was there was six or seven on a team. And you could go up to eight, I believe it was. Yeah, I think you can do You can go up to ten now, which I think is way too much. Yeah. I, I, I two full rosters on one team. Right. I, I think we talked. It was seven's the sweet spot. You know, you have your five core guys, and then you have, I mean, seven really good bowlers that you can switch in and out. Some go up with eight where they have that guy like Chief that can sit back and watch and, you know, move pieces around. Because he's, I know he's helped Lucky Strike, or um, at the time it was All Saints. I mean, there's no better captain that I've ever seen. Who, Chief? Yeah. Oh yeah, I had fun with Chief. I'd usually ride with him. Yeah. He, he's he's another one, another one of my favorite. I like a lot of people in this game, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Do you pay attention to any of the bowling that happens today, or? I look to see what's going on now and then, and it, one of the funny parts is I'll see a name and I go, he's still bowling? And I go, oh no, that must be his son. <laughs> it makes me feel old, because a lot of guys I bowled with before, there's a few of them, their kids are bowling now. Yep. Yeah. Because, you know. Were there any Canadian bowlers that stood out to you? You know, when you're seeing these guys for the first time and you go, all right, he's their best. Not really. I didn't pay attention to them up there. Um, like now, like now, I mean, they have probably five, five or six guys that are really, really, you know, really good. I didn't know if there was somebody that that stood out because I know Dent mentioned um, Phil Bernatches. I don't know who that is. I mean, there was they, they had good bowlers. Yeah. Um, when we went up there as a team, uh, we had a lot of fun as a team. Yeah. And we were bowling. It was, you know, like you say, we have six or seven guys. And the two guys that were in bowling, if we had seven, whoever was keeping score, he could get hurt. Because we bowled, if everybody had a mock in the same box, the guy keeping score had to buy the drinks. <laughs> and, you know, if somebody had, if we had four mocks who have had the open, they bought the drinks. And we had good teams. And, you know, that poor scorekeeper, he got, he got burnt a lot. He was buying a lot of drinks. <laughs> well, fortunately, beers back then were probably, what, like two bucks a pop? Yeah, we got a team like us in the <laughs> matches a day. I mean, we behaved ourselves, but it was a lot of uh, two dollars you know, add up pretty quickly. A lot of razzing each other. Oh yeah. As we're bowling on a team, we're after each other. So it, it, I think a whole different atmosphere. And we rode on each other's shirt tails. Somebody get going. You know, come on, jump on the train, and we would we would get the other guy going. And the Canadians are really big, I believe, on team. Yep. tournaments rather yes. than singles back then. I don't know how they are now. I feel like they do a lot of team. Even the tournaments I see posted, most of them seem to be they team do. events. Yeah, they do yeah. a lot of team stuff. Um, who would you say is the toughest team you faced? Toughest team? 
New Worlds was the the only thing. Everybody I did. was tough. Um, Alfie Johnson's team was a powerhouse team with Jeff Atkins, Stevie Reno, way back John Zernicke. They were one of the tougher teams in there. Gary Carrington, Peter Flynn, uh, Bobby Kelly, those guys were monsters too. So you know, you had you know a few good teams that. Yeah. You know what? I'm not saying this. I'm not going to single out one team, but right, there were teams. I'm mentioning some guys here. These were top bowlers, and they all got together. You didn't have a hundred bowler. Right. There, there wasn't. Bowler in there. there wasn't that break between. You're like, okay, you know, we have we have Lucky Strike now, which is uh, like Sorrent Bovair, right? Uh, at, a, at a time, one of the top U.S. Right, teams right, right now. yeah. And then you're like, okay, now we have this team. We can put this guy. It was one after another after another, and powerhouse yes. after powerhouse after powerhouse. Yeah. The year we went 86 and two, I think if you put the teams in there and, and ranked them, I mean, yeah, we might have been the favorite, the second favorite, but the top six, seven teams, any one of them could have won it. Yeah, they what? were all that loaded. They were loaded. I know uh, in the past I've seen a couple worlds where they've had a throw-in team at the end just to fill that 24th spot. Where you're saying that they had roll-offs just to make it in that tournament, so you had to be good just to be there. Yeah. I believe once you were in it, you could stay in it. Okay. So, so it wasn't a roll-off every year. This was, I think, the first year that they expanded to have 12 teams. That's how we did it down here because there were so many teams in the United States that wanted to get into it that they had, okay, put your team together. We're having a roll-off, and these are the teams that make it. Yeah. And if a team didn't go back the next year, yeah, they, okay. I don't know how they worked that out if it was – who knows who yeah. or however they did it after that. They have a wait list now or something for captains to get on Worlds or Mixed Worlds. I, th- I think so. I think, honestly, I think they need to go to 20 teams. Yeah. It would open it up to more houses. because they're, they're And I don't think Can- the Canadians can fill 12 teams. I know the last time I think they had 11. Yeah. It's so. amazing how when I bowled there was 12 and 12, and you could e- probably easy go to 20 and 20. I'm yeah, just saying there were well, so many, oh, so no, many teams that wanted to bowl in it, and now, but that's bowling it's, now. It, it's just the pure numbers. Like there was yeah. so many. I mean, how many in in your heyday? Like how many guys were on the WCBC? I mean, it was close to 300 guys, wasn't it? Uh, I think 205, 204 was the tops when I right in the heyday, just a hair over 200. And I believe when I kind of stopped bowling in it, there was only 40. Yeah, I, did, I think it got a little bit of a surge. My first year, I think there was uh, 75, 80, which wasn't too bad, but I, mean, I think like 40 women. But the same the same thing, I remember a guy I used to work with, uh, Paul Odoviani, had his score sheet from like some tournament in 1984. And looking at all the guys, I'm like, Jesus. Like, that is insane. And, and, and it's 200 good bowlers. Right. You know, you, you, throw, you throw 1240 and you're 50th. You may not cash. You're not going to cash. <laughs> no, no, you're not. So you had, I mean, obviously everyone knows it's like your 22-week streak. Like where in that do you're like, now I'm starting to get pressure. So, so Stacia had, what, 18, I think it was? 17 or 18. So right about then, because a lot of people were, oh, you got a chance for this. And I really don't. I don't right. want to hear it. Right, I want right. a bowl. Leave me alone. I want a bowl. Yeah. And... Um, I would say towards the end of that, if you stop, if you saw some of the shows, you go through streaks. And 
towards the end, I was laboring in a lot of those shows. Yeah. I was going through one of those, if you want to say slumps or whatever. <laughs> I, you know, I, it happens. I was get, I was still bowling good. Right. And I got a few breaks. I caught a few breaks from guys, you know, leaving the door open and, and watch out. And don't, don't leave the door open. And I come back, but I'm not sure if it was the week I tied it or beat it. I had to pull like a four-in-one shot in the last box to win the match. And wow. I made it. Now, was the match with Holbrook during that streak? Holbrook, yes. yes. So, and, and I asked him, when he when he missed the 1-3 the or whatever, then comes back, throws spare strike. I'm like, are you comfortable, like, go walking off the lane? Or are you going, it's like, okay, he needs at least a double. Like, I think I'm okay. But are you thinking, oh, crap, he only needs a double. Yeah, and he, he knew he left the door open. Yeah. Um... You know, I got up there, and my thought process there was, all right, he just put a world of hurt on me because he gets that mark in the last box. And I'm thinking, okay, get on, get four or five on it, and I don't have to throw a double. Right. Like right. a tie. Right. I don't have, need a double or anything. Mm-hmm. Once he threw the strike, now, okay, a double will do it, but I have to throw a strike in the ninth. I need a mark in that ninth box. Right. And I got a spare break. I had to pick it. I picked it. Still in the ball game. Now, I threw a triple. Right, you had to be perfect. You know, guys will tell you, yes, you're throwing for a strike all the time. I averaged 130 most of my life, and maybe, I don't know if I averaged two strikes a game. Maybe two strikes a game. There's not a lot of strikes. It's a hard game to throw a strike. Right. To do it all in one box, do you want to say it's lucky? No, you're trying, but... Everything has to go for you in that box. Right. I, I was always taught it's a spares game. Work on your pinning. Get your nines and tens. Spares will come. Strikes are lucky. You said it all right there. I'll, I'll agree with you 100%. So we have a yeah. resident bowling statistics specialist, who uh, Bob Lee, I don't know if you've ever heard him or, uh, or met him. He posts a lot on Facebook. He sent me this big bio. Uh, one of the ones he said is your strike rate was 1.4 per game, which is higher than any other bowler other than Steve Reno. Is what he said. So. And, well, I just said you might throw two. I might throw two strikes a game. And you average 3.6 spares a game. <laughs> Well, to average high, you, you, need, you need some marks. It's yeah, strikes are. I mean, I will say that you're lucky, but you're trying to do it all the time. Right. And I have thrown strikes before when I've needed them, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're, it's a spare game and pick your pins. Like, and the, the match I was I was watching a couple of the matches last night, and one of my, actually one of my favorite shows is the the '85 live show. Another one where like the crowd is nuts. And, see, and I wish we could get some of that. Like, yeah. You know, that back. Because I feel like that fires people up. You the know? exciting yeah. thing for us here is when you have some open bowlers drawing the, I don't know if you've seen the doing the Calepin show that we do here. Um, Jeremy helps run that. And you'll have some of the open bowlers will drift over and say, well, what's going on over here? But for the most part, we don't have that five, six deep. Right. Yeah. But your match against Rich Pedroli which was so fun to watch. It just, the, both of you going back and forth, and then there was like that little wall where like the sixth through ninth box where nobody was really doing anything. He made a big mark, and, and you know, Don Gillis is just like, well, he, he, need, he, needs a, he needs a mark here, and then you just get up and throw a bomb and go, oh, my God. Well, um, it's funny. If you ever get to see that show again, you watch it, Rich 
comes off the lane and gets up there and he's laughing, he's smiling. Well, Rich is a big boy. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. Rich made a shot. He come flying back and jumped off the alley. Oh. <laughs> I jumped out of my seat because he landed right there. He would have landed right on top of me. And we were both laughing. So if you see him get up on the lane in there, I don't know if third or fourth box, fifth box, somewhere in there, he's laughing. It's because he almost landed on me. I jumped out of the chair. We had a good laugh about that. But he made two amazing shots. Oh. Like, well, he made the, the eagle with either the eight or the nine. And then there was another one. I forget what the actual setup was, but I think it was either his ninth or tenth box. It was a horrible, horrible break. Yeah. He, he pulled it like it was nothing. He deserved to win that match. He pulled the shots off. Um, again, the opening I got, he didn't fill them. Right. That last shot he pulled, he only got two or three on it. Yeah, well, I know and he had it a, gave me an opening. Yeah. I would have had it anyhow if he didn't mark again. Yeah. If I had an opening, I needed one mark. I know he had a couple eagles also, like after, because he went on a great run the first half, half of that string. And then he filled with a couple eagles. I think it was like a two or three fill yeah. on the end. No, he bowled really well. And, um, yeah, no, that was, that's, that's been one of my favorite shows to watch. Mm-hmm. Just, just all of them, all the live shows are great. It's just great bowling. It was just you know five of the of the best. Who was your fiercest competitor on TV? I don't know if I if there was anybody that I I feared because I just bowled my own game. I didn't pay any That's attention the to him. But the one who had my number was Paul Berger. Yeah. Yeah. If he hears this, he'll probably chuckle. He'll say, "Yeah, I had Tom's <laughs> number." I was going to ask. We bowled together on a team. Yeah. We won the world's team together. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had if you had bowled him on either Channel Five or any of the other shows. Yeah, because I don't I don't know if any of them are on YouTube or not. Well, he the live show he beat me in the finals. He threw over three hundred at me for the two two games. Oh wow! Yeah, and we bowled. Uh, I think on Big Shot Bowling. Yep. You got me there. I don't know if we ever bowled on Channel Five, but Paul Paul was a competitor. But this, you know. Another name that I didn't mention earlier. Yeah. It, there's just so many. I'm, you know, there might be somebody listening. He didn't mention me. But it was like Daddy kept going was, name after name, and he goes, "I could just yeah, keep going if you yeah, want me." That's to. another one. It's yeah. just there was so many good bowlers back then. Right. I mean, you look at you look at Ashline, Peter yeah. Flynn. Yeah. No, Peter was Chief un- Peter was unbelievable. Peter right. was. Uh, he was as tough as nails. You had Gary Carrington, tough too. Chris Sargent fired the ball down there. His father did too. And, and Mike, yeah. See, when I first started, uh, the two big bowlers was uh, Mike Sargent and Gary Duffin. Gary Duffin. He, two he different actually, bowlers. Completely different bowlers. He actually reached out to us um, and said we could, if we wanted to talk to him, he'd be more than willing to come down. Yes. Gary is awesome. So you have Mike Sarger who fires the ball. You have Gary Duffin who throws this nice... Smooth nice ball, <laughs> half the speed at him, but he was accurate. Right. He knew what he was doing. He had enough speed to knock him over, and he, he could bowl. Gary and uh, Mike, those were the two. I think the best bowling that I ever saw was Fran Anarano up in Biddeford, Maine, Rollaway Lanes. Uh, had the pro tour there every year, and... If you hit around 13, 20 for the 10 games, you won it. Yeah. You're going to be close. Mm-hmm. But nobody went crazy in that place. Fran walks in and he picked every shot in the book that day at 1481. And second was 1320, 1318. Wow. <laughs> you know, the normal score yeah. that wins at 13. Yeah, I think I've, I won fields. a couple of stops there with 13, 13, 13, 18. Those were winning scores. Yeah. Right. And here he goes, 1481. I mean, 
where, where does that come from? <laughs> Throw him out, all the scores were normal. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like the house was souped up. He just pulled and it, unbelievable. And it's funny. When I first started working at Fairway, he, this was probably two or three years before he passed away. He came in every Tuesday, and he'd bowl, and, he'd, and we'd talk. And he'd tell me these things that he did, and I'm like, that seems outrageous. And then he he came in with a scrapbook, and I, I wish I could see it again, because Mal just passed away within the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. And My streak was ended by Fran on around, you know. I, I, know, I knew okay. that. I knew that. <laughs> I remember things. <laughs> but, but he owed me. <laughs> but, yeah, he had the scrapbook of all these pictures, you know, from, like, the 60s and scorecards. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, all the 1400s that he was throwing in the 60s or 70s, the, the people weren't throwing. Not throwing them, no. I mean, and he threw the ball, I mean, he threw the ball hard-ish, but not like crazy. Didn't look like he was throwing the ball hard. No, he had a lot, I mean, now like measure revolutions on the ball. <laughs> he threw it off his fingertips, really. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. he got the fingers into it and the you know, ball was really turned over going in. He's a big dude too. I mean, not, he, not You don't want to mess with him, no. He was, he was thick, yeah. big, big yeah. burly. Nice guy, very nice guy. Now, people used to say that like, Ted Williams could see the seams on a baseball like coming in like to the point. Was there something that you saw that like other people didn't like? How like you were so accurate and like, or did it just come off that easy? I think yeah. maybe just good hand-eye coordination because I look at the pins. I don't look at the floor at all. There's no no spot bowling. Ten pin, there's spot bowling, but candle pin, I stood in the same spot and threw the ball. I tried to keep it simple. I can't. Simple. I can't, for some reason, when I stare at, when I look at the pins, because Helen yelled at me all the time. She's she like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "You're looking down." I'm like, "I can't. I feel like I have to look up. I'm gonna fall over." Like I, I get off balance. I just could never do it. Yeah. No, I just looked right at the pins. It's a hard game, mm-hmm. and I let my ball do the work. Whether it drifted and if it hit the one three pocket, one two pocket, it didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. I just I threw it the head pin. Let the ball do the work. If it a pitcher can't throw the ball in the same spot every time. No. And you're no, 60 no. feet away from that head pin. You're not going to hit it in the same spot every time throwing the ball roughly, I think I threw it roughly 40 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You're not going to. Right. It's impossible. With all the footwork involved, everything, I let the ball do the work. Right. And, and that's all I was taught to. And that's it. Throw it at the head pin. Yeah. You're going to be off either way. I remember Dan Murphy, when I went up to do the certified instructor class, he, somebody had asked him, when you try to hit the head pin, do you hit the 1-3 or the 1-2? And he said, I try to hit the head pin. This game's hard enough as it is. Stop making it harder than it needs to be. There you go. So, Do you have any, like, I, obviously the game is different for the kids now than it was way back like when you came up because there were so many more opportunities so many more bowling alleys this and that like what what advice would you give like the kids today that want to get good and better better their bowling enjoy the game keep it simple enjoy it don't copy styles you start copying because you see you see somebody throw a strike and you say okay i'm gonna throw the ball like that then somebody else throws a strike they throw the ball different it's only going to mess you up. Find your style and try to perfect it. You can get some help here and there, but keep it simple. Have fun. Enjoy it. And practice. That that really is the key, is it? And, yeah. But there's so I mean, there's so much going on now for kids to do either sports, video games, stuff like that. Well, then Dad even brought up that the pure number of. 
kids in the area has gone down as well. So we have that issue going for us because we we've interviewed a lot of people who said when they were in the kids league they had you know two three hundred kids in the kids league. We have twenty one here. I know Abington has forty. Um, so it's just it's it's a numbers game at this point for us. When I grew up as a kid bowling, there was nothing to compete with. There wasn't soccer, yeah. basketball. You know, I, things change. Where just I don't know if there was two, you know, a lot of two car families back then. Mm-hmm. You're going back 40, well, 50 years ago. I was 11, 12, a little more than 40 years ago. Yeah. I don't want to say that. <laughs> 50 years ago, rather. Well, the other thing, but, too, is, you know, look at soccer, for example. It's a three, four season sport now. Like, yes. I mean, a lot of that. Uh, there's so much for kids to do. Mm-hmm. And if you have two or three kids, you're running here, you're running there, you're running all over. Um, I was brought up. I love bowling, and I was always in a bowling alley. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had an advantage, if you want to say. I loved to bowl so much, I was in a bowling alley. In the bowling alley where I bowled, you had 16 lanes, and they had two nine-foot pool tables, and that was it. There was no video games. There was right. nothing else to do. I bowled or I shot pool. Right. Now, what about, like, somebody who, like, I know, and, and I'm sorry to, to use you as an example, but... You hit that struggle point, like you know that you're bowling really well, and then all of a sudden you you lose it. And I know, like he's he's bowling really well now, but he's kind of hit that struggle point where you just like I don't know what to do. Like like how do I fix this? I what am I doing? around 106. But like how the best way to get out? I I keep telling him just bowl through it. Yes. Um... It, it, it's tough for anybody, even myself. Sometimes I'm saying, why am I struggling so much? Thing is, though, if you get in a slump and you're bowling three, four times a week, mm-hmm. you're in that slump for a long time because it's three or four times a week you're bowling. Right. If you're bowling once or twice a week, you get in a slump. Well, it may not seem so long because mm-hmm. you're not bowling that much, but it just happens. Why? This game, if you're a quarter of an inch off, it means a lot. And you don't get the breaks. The wood stays on the lane the wrong way. So much can happen in this game, and it, it can beat you up a little bit. But oh, it, I mean, it, it's all it, mental. It, it, it really is. And sometimes, I mean, the, the thing that I would have to watch sometimes when I get into it is I was, I was going too fast with my feet, charging the line too fast. So yep. my arm was behind me, slowed my feet down. I'm not saying it worked, or back then we'd stop bowling smudge. High low jack, one seven ten, threw two balls a box, because now you had to pick pins. So now your your mind frame is out of just trying to throw spears and strikes. You're concentrating on something else. You're bowling a different game, different scoring game, and it worked. Did Reno bring that up? Bring that game up? I don't remember who. Steve Reno? Yeah, Yeah. he might have, because that was big in Southbridge. Yeah. I want to say he brought something up like that. I'm like, I've never heard of that. Was it open the bear? It might have been. That's that's a tell you a tournament that's built for him. How on the bear? Oh my god! <laughs> Have you the, ever heard of it? Yeah, so, but I don't know what it's all about. Uh, Be my guest. No, that's all right. <laughs> no, I'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it later because yeah, it's a long. <laughs> it's a long story, and everyone's already heard it. So, <laughs> it, it's it's one of the best. It's one of the better tournaments right now that we have. It's a good prize fund. We, the winner with the sponsorship that he gets, and he's done an amazing job with it. Well, that's all, Caitlin. My wife gets all the sponsors. And I mean, the winner, the last couple of winners when we have a full house has been over a two grand prize. That's that's a good prize. And Again. what a fifty dollar entry fee. So yeah, sign me up. <laughs> Scratch is September twenty fifth. You're more than welcome. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Um, 
thinking of retiring next year, come out of retirement then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to have you back. No kidding. One of the questions I was asked is, you going to bowl the 10 stringer out in spare time on Sunday? No. <laughs> my, this is my last weekend here. Yeah. <laughs> You know my grandson Aaron. Yeah. I'd like to take him out there and bowl with him, but man, I don't know if I can bowl two strings. <laughs> I think I have, I have had enough time now bowling was, two or three. I was on bowl, the list, so you know. I would, I would feel bad if I didn't at least ask the question. But how oh, it'd be fun though. How cool is it now though? So now you're kind of in your grandfather's position to watch him. Now how how awesome is that? Oh, it's it's funny. It brings back some of the fire in me because he wants to beat me so bad. He overtries because yeah. I mean. He can just do what he wants with me. I don't bowl. <laughs> I can still I can still bowl a little bit when I yeah. come up here. Um, he wants to beat me so bad. Well, of course. <laughs> he wants to keep the family tradition going. That's his big thing. I mean, he and and he's doing a great job. He throws yes. he throws a really good ball. Him and and I've seen Nathan bowl a little bit too. And he another. Oh, we saw them at um, states when our kids went. Yep. Got the honor of getting whooped <laughs> by your grandkids. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have a favorite house, or did it matter? The TV houses, <laughs> Fairway, Sammy White's. Well, I mean, they paid you a nice those, wage during they the summer. Me a nice wage. So <laughs> those were houses. I guess I got lucky where they had the TV shows. Those are houses I pulled well at. Yeah. Um, and, and Fairway was always an, an, an honest house. I mean, I know they kind of they they might have. Put a little something on the decks in the later years, but a lot of places did. So speaking of bowling well, did you ever throw a two hundred at this house? Yes. You did? Yes. Do you know the date or anything like that? Because that's been Steve Reno was the one who brought that up and we don't have records of it and our current house record that we know of is one ninety four and he said that that's wrong. I'm I'm gonna say oh boy, it was probably around 83, 1983, 84. And it was 200 on the nose, or? I believe it was 206. 206. I'm not 100% sure. Um, it, we bowled a mixed doubles tournament here, Pro Tour mixed doubles. I bowled with Lois O'Valley. We bowled 10 strings each. And I was here bowling in that, and as soon as it was done, I was going out to Sammy White's to bowl on another 10 string. Oh, geez. And after five strings, I says, I'm not going to Sammy White's. I am bowling horrible. <laughs> I had a little over 590 for five games. And the next three games, I think I was a little over 500. I had a two, I had <laughs> 140-something, 150-something. I believe it was 206, another 150. I had, I don't know, 1340, you don't 1350. Anymore, do you? I probably do. If you have it, can you get a photocopy or a I'll, picture? I'll try to dig it out when I get back home. You would love to have that in I've, I've got a lot of stuff but, back home, scrapbooks, yeah. paper, you know, articles. Yes, I was just going to accept a date. <laughs> yeah, Steve was, said his dad was bowling, I think, on lane next to you or something. And, yeah. All I know, Gary Carrington was on the lane next to me. He was on my right. And Gary was just saying, go. And at that time, I, I, didn't, I had to stop to go forwards. I'd be done my half. Gary was on his second box. <laughs> And if you watch Gary, Gary's not a slow bowler. Yeah, he was. No. He was finishing his second box. I was done with my half. I was just going. <laughs> so you didn't go. do that whole box for box thing that just. people do nowadays. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people didn't back then. Though. Yeah. yeah. I don't, at I some point, that. Be, I mean, you didn't go out of your way to cut somebody off. Right. But if you were ready, you went. It, it didn't bother people. It, right. it. You know. And you know, maybe yeah. You had you had courtesy too. Mm -hmm. the guy bowling next to you was bowling really good. Go. Just I mean. I feel like for like pro tour events, that's less of an issue than like a league match, you know, because you're not holding 
other people up. You're not getting ahead. You know, you're also bowling the whole field, right? You're right. not bowling ahead ahead. So yeah. that also, I think, weighs into it as well. Right, because I was like the whole thing with, um, sorry, JoJo, but <laughs> you know, she's like notoriously and very. Outspoken, right, and very outspoken about. She's like, "Don't wait for me." She goes, "I know I'm slow. Just, just go." Oh yeah, uh, you know this. I throw a ball. You throw a ball. I throw a ball. You throw a ball. It ends up being a long night. Well, then also it's like you know you throw a strike and then you wait for me to finish my three balls. Right, right. Two people do. Yeah, and that would drive me crazy. Yeah, I'm be honest with you, that drive me crazy. Or you know and. You could play a lot of games that way. You say you bowl fast, I bowl fast. I'm struggling a little. I'm gonna throw you off your game. I'm gonna slow down. Yeah, it's not gonna bother me. I'll slow down. <laughs> now you're waiting to go, and you're getting mad at me because say he's doing this on purpose. <laughs> no, you don't do that. I've done the opposite where because I bowl a little bit faster, and I was bowling this guy, guy Eric Seeger, who bowls a little bit slower, and. I purposely would speed up my approach because I knew it threw him off. But then he got better than me, so it didn't matter anyways. But that was a strategy I had for a while to mess with him. <laughs> he called me out on it, too. Channel 5, we would go box, one box in yes. each lane. And if they got, if you're going too fast, they'd go to two. Yep. The fastest match I ever bowled was with Jack Quinn. Because mm -hmm. he's probably even faster than me as far, because he didn't come back as far on the approach. Right. And they slowed us right down after the first string of two and two. We had nine and a half minutes at the end of the show. They didn't know what to do. They just had, that's way too much time for TV. It's a fourth game. As, as Don Gillis is just like, oh, we're going to pick like seven winners out of this thing. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Now, did you ever hit the high-low jack on that show? When I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> Never hit it as an adult. When I was 11, I hit it. It was so, for $50. And so Nick Nick Norcross actually sent me a text a little little while ago and he mentioned you bowling Mark Gregory on the kids lead in the in on the kids show with a broken arm. Yes. The only time I ever had a broken arm my life, I was 12 or 13 years old so it had to be on I think it was winning pins they called it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hate him? It was Bill O'Connell I think did the show. Hmm. Didn't throw you off at all bowling with a broken arm? No. <laughs> you're a kid. What throws you off when you're a kid? Right? Nothing throws you off. You're a kid. You don't know any difference. Now, do you have a favorite leave or a least favorite leave? No. No, no it doesn't matter. Well, you don't want it to spread eagle. You don't want to chop two, you know. But that is nothing. It's, no. it's part of the game. So apparently I'm being petty that I hate the triangle. Oh, yeah. You hate that triangle. I did. It, literally just a two-bitter or even a single. I don't know. I... I it's in my head the second I see it. I can't figure it out because every time I chop right through the middle. <laughs> it, it, it's so mental. That's, I mean, I've never hit the spread eagle in my entire life, so we all have, well, except most of us have those shots just. It, it's there again. I mean, you're trying to make it, but it is a lucky shot because you, you're not going to cut the three into the two or the two into the three and carry them because you're going to cut it so much. You're actually hitting a four or six pin, which depending on the side you play it, and it's coming off the wall forwards to take the front pin. Right. As a rule, it's right. backing up. So then so. now I'll ask your interpretation on this one. I was thinking the same thing. Det said to us, you know, when you play the, uh, the three and two minus the back pin, do you play the two or do you play the three? Both quarter pins are up. Yeah. As a rule, I'll play the two to cut into the three because you got the back pin. Mm -hmm. But if I've been bowling really good for for a while, in the right-hand side of the alley, I've been cutting those pins over, mm -hmm. I'll play that even if it's the two, a three. Because my 
you go in you go in grooves when you you yep. go through the middle. I mean, you see that break a lot where you leave two and one. But if I'm cutting a two pin over to the other side of the lane a lot, which is across from me. I'll shoot at it, even if it's the three pins into the two, because I've been, I've been over there a lot. Right. So it depends on how how I feel, mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's a two into three. It also depends on like if you're on a straight fill and you need the count. It, 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 you know, there's, there's a lot depending there, but right. I pick whichever side I feel that mm -hmm. I'm bowling the best at hitting. I also watched your your 483, and the first shot you make, you you punched out the one nine. Yeah. And the first shot of his 483, and he picks it up, and I just went. Uh, Okay, this is how that's going. And, like, was that just one of those days? Just Ended up being, everything. You, well, you hit 483. It, it, everything's going right for you. Right. It has to. Uh, that's that's just a high score. Nobody does that day in day out. No. And you ask um, any of the pro bowlers who bowl a lot, or anybody that bowls a lot and averages high, how many times you hit 480 a year? Right. <laughs> they might say, "Well, I don't know if I did the last four or five years." And then all of a sudden you do it two or three times in one year. Well, what happens? Right. You know, 440 might be your high for a long time. Then all of a sudden you go crazy and throw some 450s and 60s. It happens. Now, your your 504, your your high triple, that was done at Colonial? Yeah, Colonial was, and Worcester. Was that a league night? Or was that a League night. How mad was the other team? I don't remember <laughs> much about it. <laughs> I know I hit 503, 504. I... Just remember hitting it, and that was it. And I don't remember really anything more about the match. So Brendan actually has a story. So I've always heard that that was the first night of the summer league at Colonial. Do you remember that? I I'm not sure if it was the first night, but I know one year I started off Colonial the first night with 453. So the team we bowled the second week was really happy because I was bowling with a 150 average, and I think the second week I hit 458. <laughs> so that was the story I, I was heard. Is you looked at the league sheet and he was averaging 160. <laughs> <laughs> I bowled there. I, I want to say maybe two summers, maybe three, only in a summer. Yeah, I a saw a video summers. where you bowling with Steve Reno, Dave Dupuis. Uh, yes. Do you remember who else was on that team? Maybe Jim and Wes Nestor. Nestor's, yeah. yeah. That sounds the about Nestor's, right. yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people that still bowl today that were in that league. Corey Packer was in that league. Rob Burkeel was in that league. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember any of the other bowlers from that time period that were people that bowled well locally but never, like, got their big shot or never tended to bowl well in big tournaments? When I first started bowling tournaments, like, I lived down in Southbridge. I didn't go to Worcester much. To bowl, I bowled out of Hippodrome Lanes in Salford. We had a lot of good bowlers there, but there was only one, Andy Remian, that I remember, who would actually go out. And he got on Channel Five. He was good. A lot of them didn't travel. They didn't whether they didn't have faith in themselves, but they were good enough to. They could average 120, and back in those days, 120 was that was a heck of an average. If you look at Channel Five, the scores. There were years there were no 400s hit. So you go off of that TV show alone. Nobody hit 400 on Channel 5 all year long? Well, 120 is 360. You're not yeah. talking, you know, not everybody's hitting 390 every week. Right. Um, I believe one year when they went to five guys, the fifth score was 397. But it showed, you know, scores went up and up and up and everything changed. There's so much you can do in Candlepin. 
you know, not just souping up the lanes, but the tolerances are all different. It's sidewalls. You know, I know all of that. <laughs> they just, you know, this the game has changed a lot. The scores got higher. Um, yeah, the, uh, I don't know. Like, if the, I mean, the score. I don't feel like the scores are getting like much higher at this point. They can only go so high. I'm right. not saying that somebody's going to. You're not going to have 150 average. Ball oh God, no, 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 no. Candle pin. Yeah. Unless you go to a three pound, three and a half yeah. pound ball, and I don't even know if that would. I think it might because I, I've done it before. We talked about the Nesters. Jimmy Nestor come in with a duck pin ball that was turned down. He says, "Tom, throw this." I think I threw uh, three strikes in four boxes. With it. And that was that Colonial thing. Almost. Whoa, wait a minute. What, where'd you get this? I know the pins are different, but have you but, seen some of the scores Phil Clough's been putting up in duck pin? I saw that last yeah. night. My grandson. Yeah. Yeah. Two oh seven. A couple about a month yeah. ago. Two oh three. Yesterday, I think. How yeah. old is Phil? I mean, is Seven, he 100? I mean, Phil was around when I was a kid. And I was, he was. Uh, Richie Meyer was talking about people. He's like, I always root for people who get their second win. Phil Clough's on the same win. He is the win. <laughs> what gets me about Phil, because I've seen a few things. I go on, well, my wife is on Facebook. Um, she's after me to always start a Facebook <laughs> page. Maybe I will someday. And I'll, I'll go on and see someone at Candlepin. Phil throws the same ball that yeah. he threw when he pulled Candlepin. And I'm going to say Phil might be, what, 74, 75, somewhere? Uh, I'm going to say he's actually 76. 76. Wait a minute, I know how I feel. I mean, look how far he bends down and throws yeah. that ball. He almost lays on the lane. How, how is he still doing that at his age? He's going to be in good physical shape. Well, I, I think he like he's hikes. Nice. Ev- he yeah. hikes everywhere. Like uh, yeah. Paul Wilson, I always called him like the mountain man because he had he has like the like the hat with like I feel like there's like shark teeth on it or something. So before it had ever taken off, um, the second ever out on the bear, we had like 23 people bowling, and I was maybe a 93, 94 average. I was more into running the tournament than bowling, and if I bowled, and it just to get the numbers up there because it again hadn't taken off. And I looked at the field of bowlers, and I didn't know who bowlers were at all. And I said, you know, everybody here is better than me. Who, you know, who am I going to beat? And I look, I go, well, I can beat this old guy. And Phil ends up winning the whole thing because he never threw a game under like 112, and I think his high was maybe 128. He just stayed in this pocket of, you know, good to very good, and just never got eliminated. And then the other part too, the final four was myself, Chris Parkinson, Sean Taylor, and him. We're all sweating after we're done bowling, and there's Phil. Doesn't look like he picked up a ball all day. Go, well, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go hike now. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you say that one time, Channel 5 at Sammy White's. I was a defending champion. Yeah, get there, and I have no idea who I'm bowling. And I see this guy come walking in, and somebody's with him. They're carrying his bowling bag. He's got a cane, and he's walking. And I said, okay, to my wife, I said, nah, that's not him, just waiting. All of a sudden, he's up on the TV lane. She said, that's where I got a ball and go, oh boy. <laughs> you know? Okay, let's forget about, you know, he coming. Yeah. And poor guy, like I mean, he has he has more triples and like four baggers thrown at him on TV. Yeah. Than I think Jim Barber threw a four bagger at him. Uh, I'm on a one of the other ones, but he has like countless triples thrown at him. I'm like, talk about tough luck. I think I found the fountain to use though in that pen. Just <laughs> it's crazy. No, the yeah, one go, guy, go the one guy that I felt bad for was Chief Billy Treeful. I got him three times on Channel Five, <laughs> and I think every time I, well. I threw a triple at him twice, and the other time I think I started with a 170-something game against him. It was like Jesus. poor Billy. And he bowled good. He hit around 400 every show, over 400. And What do you, you know, do? Good friends, <laughs> but there are no friends on the lanes. No. Do you have a favorite match that you bowled on? On either Channel Five or Big Shot Bowling or whatever, I'm, I'm I'm actually getting watching more of those. 
I'm, I'm really liking the Big Shot bowling shows. Um, favorite match? I'm not sure. I mean, toughest match? There's a lot of them. I think the toughest match was against Bob Reynolds, who, I mean, I think he got on TV a couple of times. Is I could never get ahead of him. But we, he never got ahead of me to, to speak of. It was always within a mark, five, six, seven pins. Yep. And I finally caught him with two boxes to go. I made a nice shot, and then he throws two marks to finish. And I got up there through a strike spare. That was the end of it. <laughs> I threw a strike spare nine. So it came right down to the end. But it's just, it, it took me so long to catch him. And I figured once I caught him, because he was going crazy, and I pulled a nice shot, and that was a tough match. I've had a lot of them on there, though. But I think it's it's tougher when you're, you know, I don't want to say anything. He was a good bowler. And if you looked on paper, I think at the time, he was maybe a 118, 119. I'm a 130. Who's going to win the match? Right. And, and, you know, any sport, you look on paper. It's not like I'm bowling Gary Carrington or something. This kid just... He was a monster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I expect that from other people. You, you have your expectations. You know the bowlers. I know yep. all the bowlers out there. Yep. I know what they can do. And that, that was a tough match for me. Now you, I was fortunate. You feel like you took like a little bit of time off, and then you started competing on the Channel 50 show at Lita. Now, what, what made you come back to... It's... I guess once Channel 5 went off the air... The tour was down to 40 guys, and I got into a few other things, and years and years of bowling, Every when I bowled, there was a tournament every Saturday or Sunday, yeah. sometimes both, year-round. Yeah. I bowled a lot of tournaments, mm -hmm. and I missed a lot. Oh, we're going to do something now. I've got to bowl. Finally, I said, you know, there's not really a lot out there. I'll chase right. what I want. What I want to, right. if I want to bowl in a tournament, I'll go bowl in it. Yep. I didn't bowl in a tour, but they had one or two tournaments a year. You could just sign up and bowl. Mm -hmm. So I did it that yeah. way. Just, I gave myself more time to do what I wanted to do and all. Because yeah. I, I joked with one of my buddies, uh, Joe. The year, like you came back, I think it was 2002, you ended up winning the Tournament of Champions. And I laughed and I'm like, I wonder how that went. Like Tom Olsen wakes up and goes, "We go bowling. We'll make Channel 50 today. What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, and, you know, <laughs> it's not that easy. No, I, I, I know, but it's from an outside perspective, it looks that way. And I mean, un, un, unfortunately, that was Tommy Morgan's last TV appearance too. Yes. That letter. That literally. I mean, I remember when that aired, and I cried like a baby. Like it was. Um, there again, I, I bowled Mike the last show. And Mike had me beat. I I didn't bowl great. I didn't bowl horrible. Mike just ran out of steam. Yeah. No, I'm sure it was... Everything is done in one day. Right. And from watching his brother bowl and all that, everything that he was going through with his brother, and they were best friends. So oh, I mean, they, I mean were, they never missed, I mean, missed I can a tell you stories about the, the Morgies. <laughs> I can tell you, I mean, I hung around with both of them. And I, I mean, had a great it, time with them. And they, they were two of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, any any stories about them are good. Yeah. So um, I think it took a lot out of Mike. But, yeah, Tom, seeing Tom there and 
it was tough knowing what he was going through. And right. the last time I saw him, he put his arms around me, kind of gave me a headlock and yeah. said, I'm coming after you next year. When I get better, <laughs> your, your ass is mine. <laughs> that's what he said to me. It was, we had a dinner for him. I don't know if you remember that. I remember. Was, and that's what he said to me. And he was all smiling. He was all happy. and. Sure, I mean, he was that. around all of his friends. Oh, like uh, I think Jackie the, Ray was there. And, yeah, the Bolin family yeah. is huge. It is. It is. It's a tight community. If something happens to one, it happens to all. Yeah. I think it's still very tight. It and may not be as big as it once was, but I still think. I think it's tight. I mean, I even, you know, being away mm-hmm. for 17 years, mm-hmm. I really don't know who the top bowlers are now, who bowls, who doesn't. It's I can't compare anything because right. I've been gone so long. Right. But I'm sure the community is still very tight. It is. I mean, most of them, they all hang out together. They're, they all have, you know, parties at each other's houses. Like you said, it, 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 it is a family. Yeah. That I miss a lot. Friends. All yeah. these friends. I don't see them anymore. Yeah. When I come up here, I'm only up here for a couple of weeks. And how can you... My family, family wants to see me. we got things to do and... Now, what would be your, your favorite more, uh, either Morgan story? Oh. Uh, we went up to Canada one year, and it was, uh, we got to Logan Airport, we were flying up, and I got hooked up with John Zernicke and Tommy Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a couple of drinks at the airport, our plane got delayed, we played cards, and we got up into Canada, and kind of went our own way a little bit then we got back together and we went to the bowling alley where we were going to bowl that night we started playing pool there was a bunch of Canadians playing wow I said I was brought up in a bowling alley with two nine foot pool tables I could shoot pool and they could too so we started playing for beers and we were having a blast just taking the beers from then John and Tom let's go somewhere so we went to this place got a cab got a ride Four o'clock in the morning was last call. God. <laughs> and we were drinking this Labatt's Blue, and John comes back with four millets. She says, look what I got. We could drinking that other stuff all night long, and we could have been drinking this. <laughs> and we got back to the room. <sighs> I'm going to say five o'clock in the morning. And you got a bowl at 8.30? <laughs> uh, yes, but it wasn't the team tournament. I wouldn't do that to my team. This was on a Sunday. Okay, so, so Monday was the knockout was the, tournament. All right, yep. And all three of us made it for the knockout. But we just looked at each other, like just shaking our heads. I walked to the bowling alley. I missed everybody. They got me up like six thirty to go to breakfast. It was it was funny. <laughs> that, and and that's what I love. Like you mentioned earlier, loved about worlds. Just, just a week with the guys. It, it's guys' week, really. When you just, you just happen to spend it bowling, and you, it's the best competition out there. It's I mean, it's, it's our World Cup, I guess. I mean, yeah. oh, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. The, the friends I've made, it's unbelievable. We just had a memorial service. I lost my son a few months back. My youngest son passed away. And the cards I got from people who I knew, but from people who I didn't know, sending me cards saying that they watched me on TV. Tuts. <laughs> and um, that they uh, remember seeing my kids. And they felt they grew up with us. And that TV show's been off for almost 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, 20, 25 and years this day, year. That's in the 80s I was on. Yeah. And I'm getting cards from these people. Yeah. And the other day, got a phone call from this guy. His name was Dan Holbrook. No relation yeah. to Craig. I didn't talk to him. I wasn't around. My wife did. 
and he told her he was from South Carolina, I believe, or North Carolina, one of the Carolinas, that he misses bowling, but he's been watching all the YouTube and listening to all the podcasts, and he wanted to call and say that he enjoyed watching me bowl, but to say he was sorry he heard our son died. Wow. I mean, I can tell you, my, uh, my dad's no longer with us, and when I told my mom that we were going to have you on, she got so excited and said, your father never missed one of his episodes. He was, can't miss TV, so. Knowing that I touched other lives, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, why me? I, what did I, I just bowl. And, and it's and it's weird, because like, I, you know, and I, I said this to Craig, I said, as a kid, like, I had no idea that you guys were just normal people. Like, it, it, I don't know if it was the way Don Gill is portrayed, or made Chris you guys. Made, yeah, he made everybody feel like a celebrity. Don Gillis was as down to earth as the four of us sitting here in this room. Mm-hmm. If Don walked in, he'd walk over to you. Hey, hi, how you doing? Yeah, that's how Don was. You didn't walk to Don to say hi. He wasn't. Right. Big, he he was unbelievable. Don was great. But there was always this mystique that I mean, you guys were the elite athletes in the area. That's how everybody portrayed you guys. Whether it's, it's, yeah, that, that's how it, that's how the show came off. It, it was maybe inside, you know, what do they say? You can't see the forest for the trees, but from an outsider perspective, like you guys were it. Yeah, it's you know, and you were the best. I well, I don't know. That's <laughs> all debatable. That's your opinion. <laughs> no, but I, I, it was something I can say. I was I was I felt that was good at. Um, but just with these people, you know, with everything that happened and thinking of things that have gone on to touch people, I was just down to earth. I like to have fun. Yeah. I just assume pull a prank on you yeah. <laughs> than anything else. And that's what we did in some of these team right. tournaments. It was to see what went on. I mean, you had to laugh. Well, and that's why, like, I, and I said to said to him, like, we had we had Craig Craig here, and he's sitting. There, he's like, "Oh my god!" Like, I'm like nervous doing this. I'm like, "We're just talking." Oh, like, you're just talking to like us. Like, we're, we're nobody. Like, what are you? So, what are you nervous about? We're just talking about bowling and this. Yeah. And, and then you know, Dead came. I was a little more comfortable with Dead because we're, we see him every week. Yeah, Dead bowls in our league. Con- he's comfortable with you. See, this is out of my comfort zone. I don't do TV. I don't do interviews. I don't do any of that. So, <laughs> and you want to go ball? All right, let's get on the lanes. I mean. That's my comfort zone. Yeah. Even though I'm away from it, I'm. That's why I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Is it gonna go in the gutter? Which gutter is it gonna go in? That's what? why I, I joked it's, with him before he got here, and I'm like, maybe we'll have a doubles match. Us versus them. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then when reaching out with Keith, and he's like, all right, like tomorrow at 11 a.m. All of a sudden, like, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like, so and, and my, my wife's like, what is wrong with you? I wasn't even on Facebook yet, and all of a sudden I just see all cast. Why are you not excited? And I had to scroll back, and I went, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what the, like this is, and this is what I love. I love talking bowling with anybody. Yeah. Like just, I love old stories. I love just things that I wasn't able to experience. That. See, I can see that because I like talking to so many old timers. When I was your age, now I'm the yeah. old timer. <laughs> and them telling me the stories or you know, hearing stories of, oh, you hit 300 in my day. That was top. We bowled right. on wooden pins. Yeah. And right. Those guys are all gone now. Yeah. Well, one of the things that when we were talking about this podcast and having a guest, because we were talking about different ideas, is having a guest every week. There's, as you just said, there's so many stories in this game. Everybody's got a story. And sometimes they get lost where if we can get some of these on a microphone and record it they're saved yeah it's to see the game 
I, I wish I could go back and bowl on wooden pins. Yeah. Because I heard how tough it was. Yeah. Even myself, I'm saying, that can't be that tough. And isn't that something another, somebody else, this isn't a tough game, you throw a ball at things standing up and knock them over. Yeah. Well, it isn't that easy. Well, oh, yeah. No, the fact that the pin is round and the ball is round, there's so many variables that can, now, that can only, happen. I feel like you would know the answer to this, Brendan. It's the, I believe it's the only type of bowling where the pins outweigh the ball. Correct, yeah, yeah. they're the same weight. Yeah. yeah. And you got a foot from center to center yeah, between yep. them. You yep. can... You could take a 10-pin bowling ball and put a 10-pin bowling ball between them without hitting them. Yes. What other sport can you do that? You can't right. do that in 10-pin. Yeah. Right. Now, did you... You can't, can't duck pin. You can't... Each. Right. Now, did you use two sixes or two sevens? Seven. Sevens. Now, did you ever change up bowling balls or did you always have the same ones? Three, four times a year. Five times a year. <laughs> it, it's... I had it... I can't... Maybe not that much. Um, I always used... Corella, Paramount. Yeah. I had it in my head because I threw it so hard. If a ball got damaged, I got a new set. <laughs> I wasn't getting it refinished. Something about, no, I, this is all in my head because I've done it at, later in my career. I had a set that I really love uh, and I had it refinished and used them. They probably weighed 2.6 by then. Yeah, that's, that's the problem because it was it no takes big deal. Yeah. But it's just in my head. I want to. And I love new bowling balls. Give me a new bowling ball. Oh, I felt like that's when I felt nobody could beat me. If you put a new set, new bowling ball in my hand, love them. Just don't change the shoes. <laughs> oh, no, don't change the shoes. They finally gave out on me. Yeah, bowling 10 pin last year, they gave out on me. Oh. I started bowling again. Oh, I remember... Um, was, I don't know if it was in the book or not, but you had like the same pair of shoes. Like basically, oh. <laughs> your, I mean, your foot was almost like sticking out. Well, that, one, that first pair went, second pair was pretty bad too I go through see, I have a problem with dragging my foot oh, yeah. although it's, it's been better I'm trying to train myself not to but I've, I'm up to almost seven years on this this pair I'm like that's exciting well the last when I was bowling camping the last pair I got bowled two strings with them sat down got a pair of scissors and cut part of the side <laughs> the bottom because the rubber yeah. I, I didn't drag my foot a lot but I could feel it no, I don't want that. Just cut it. And it was good. So we did get a question since you brought up 10-pin. Do you bowl with Joe Days? Yes. Who's a better 10-pin bowl, bowler? I think I got him this year for an <laughs> Yeah, they've been posting a couple of uh, your matches with him lately. Uh, Joe Days actually lives basically across the street from me. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And Pete Richitelli wanted to know the answer to that question. Who's the better bowler? <laughs> I think he averages around 190, and I was... Right around, I was 200, 201. And how does so. that compare to the other bowlers in your Tempin League? Middle of the pack. <laughs> <laughs> now, where did, where did you throw your 209? Was that at Colonial also? or 209, probably Hippodrome, Hippodrome. in Selfridge. I think 211 is my high. Two, okay. Because I, that was after all T-Bird knob in the last year right. that that was open. I had a 211. How many 200s have you thrown? I want to say 10. 10. You know, funny, funny stuff. My my first year at a competitive league, I was telling Craig this. I bowled on a team with Reggie Deline, <laughs> and so he was. He told me he was practicing in Needham once, and he threw six strikes in a row, six seven strikes in a row, whatever. He was probably the only one in the building. Nobody was watching. Probably a lot of racer marks. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I'm going to tell you. He goes, I got seven strikes in a row in Needham. You know what? Me and Tommy Olsen are the only two to ever have that. <laughs> oh, my God. Nope. Uh, most I ever threw was four. Four? 
done it a lot. Four and nine, uh, four and nine at least a dozen times, if not more, but I've never had five. And that's where my grandson Aaron gives me a hot time because he's had a five bagger. Well, I said to him, my only four bagger was at a Channel 50 final for the first time I made it. Boxes one through four. I hit through a four bagger, fifth ball. I'm like, oh God, I hope this just stays on the lane. So we had a bowler here, Jake Cook, who threw five in a row to open. I think you have the best analogy of what he did on the six. Uh, yeah, he uh, he Bobby Ward. On the six. <laughs> oh. He just like he did a practice slide, and then when he went to bowl the ball, he hit a sticky spot and just went pew pew. Oh, that that stinks. <laughs> he stayed behind the line, I think. Yeah, I think he did. So he got the credit for the one, <laughs> for the lemon drop. I had a string where I finished the last two boxes with four in a row, started the next game with a 10-box four-bagger. Oh, my God. Eight and nine boxes, two separate strings, though. Yeah. That, that's... But that was, I was only about 15 when I did that, <laughs> bowling a 10-stringer. It's back when I was averaging 90. <laughs> so when did you make the decision to retire, and how hard was that for you to make that decision? I never retired. Okay, so no. that was a question that was asked. So It was just um, 2004. My father was very sick, lived in Florida. And me and the wife had discussed when the kids got older, we we're going to go somewhere warm. Now, she won't like me saying this, but my wife has MS. In the winters, did a number on her. And figured go somewhere warm, wouldn't bother her at all. And the kids were grown, so we decided, let's go. I get, we get down in Florida, I looked up my company down there, they were just down the street, made a transfer, and the rest was history. Do you miss so, the game at all? Oh, I miss it. <laughs> I, certain times of the year. Come yeah. September, I want a bowl. Yeah. Because that's when I got to see everybody. The tour started. Yep. Like I say, where I lived in Sturbridge, Steve Reno lived in Southbridge, next yep. town over. Mm -hmm. We both bowled together. That was it. Mm -hmm. uh, Dave Dupree, mm -hmm. bowl, I bowled with Dave for years. So there's a couple of but the rest of them all lived either up around Haverhill, Plastow, New Hampshire, right yeah. into the, over the line or out around Boston. So that's when I got to see these guys. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a Western mass bowler? <laughs> no. Richie Myers is very upset. She, I mean, I don't... If you look at everybody that lives out to his boss, they say, Sturber, you're in a Western part of the state. Well, Richie's a, a and, Western mass bowler, and he yeah. said, I think we can claim Tommy as well. Well, so. I bowled, well, at the end, all I was bowling in was with these, uh, the Western New England Pro Tour. Okay. And I did bowl in Munson, which was Western New England. So, yes, I, I did a lot of my bowling at the end out there because there was no other place. I can't say because there, no, yeah, there was no other place for me really to go to bowl. That's where I wanted to right. go. Okay. okay, it's not. Um, I liked it out there. I liked the guys. That's where we went out to bowl. Now, who who so. would you say is you know the some of the best Western Mass bowlers? I mean, obviously Charlie. Oh, Charlie Jutris. You had Charlie Jutris, Dick Smoths, Paul Romani, Dave Romani, John Miller, Jeff Atkins, uh, Al Johnson. I mean, I could just. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot I'm leaving out, and they're gonna say, "Tom, what about me?" Well, and I think somebody had posted. I'm not sure. They made a comment that I think Alfie is trying to nominate Atkins for the, for the Hall of Fame this time around. Like the why he's not in, I have no idea. That's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. The same thing with Alfie. That's, yeah. yeah that, that, those are no-brainers. I yeah. mean, I'm not sure who's really in, who's not from out there. But I mean, Jeff was tough as nails. Alfie was. Those guys I saw a lot. We actually yeah. played golf together. So, you know, 
I knew the Western New England guys more than the other guys. I saw them maybe right. more, mm -hmm. and I bowled with them right. at tournaments. We started out as kids together: Jeff Atkins, John Miller, Dave Romani. We were the kids' team. Yeah, and Dave, I believe we lost Dave. He was pretty young, wasn't he? I'm, I want to say 39. That's yeah, that's young. Yeah, that's really. He was another one that, that fired the ball. Oh, he fired it. Quiet. You yeah. never, never heard a word from Dave. Just quiet. Just sat there and smiled. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't watched it recently, but one of the when Ali Chat started putting up all these different shows, it was your match against Romani. I don't know if it was Big Shot, if it was out of Thunderbird or not. Uh, there was one at Sammy White's. I think you bowled him a couple times. Yes. Oh. Sammy White's in the Pro Bowlers. I mean, at Thunderbird, the Pro Bowlers Classic. But on Channel 5, we had a match. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, same thing, just like two guys like firing the ball. It's great. It's just like those are the matches I love to watch. And so, uh, somebody had asked, in your 22-week streak, how much money do you, do you think you made? All I know is if you watch one of the shows that 22 weeks, because there was a live show on each end. Yeah. Gillis mentioned 48,000. That That's... That's that, that, that's an insane. I mean, that, that's literally a part time. That's that's a full time job. That's that's crazy. Um, but I just had. But they were two live shows, you know. Right. Well, one I won, one I finished second. Well, a friend on Arado told me that he bowled a, a money match. It was a I don't know if it was a doubles match. It was probably him and Mike Savetti because the two of them were. Oh, Mike Savetti. There's another guy from the past. See, you know, you bring back <laughs> names and okay, well, yeah, Mike was a good bowler too. I mean, right. There's just so many. It was like a it was a home and home, uh, ten string match or whatever. And I think Helen actually backed them the five thousand dollars to bowl the match, and they ended up winning. And he goes, he goes, that was a down payment on my house. I'm like, and it, that blows my mind because there's no way you can say that nowadays. No, I, in '83, the the live show. I beat Tom Morgan in the finals. Well, if I lost, the five grand was going down onto the new house I was buying. If I won ten, I had five thousand dollars to play with. If you want to, you know, extra, because we're buying a nice house and then so. talk about a rowdy crowd that day. I, I feel like he brought half the city of Lynn with him. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was a loud. And when you won the live show, you bought a Pontiac Firebird. No, no. <laughs> I, I, you know, I saw some of that stuff last night. <laughs> Because Keith said, hey, look at this, okay? Because he was talking to you, you guys. Yeah. and Look at these posts. Um, it might have looked that way. I bought a 79 Trans Am yeah. in 79. <laughs> in 80, I won the first live show. Okay. So that was when it was only two guys. We'll blame Dad for that one. Yeah, that was Dad's question. Or I saw that. I, I saw it. Thanks, Dad. You know? <laughs> That's another thing that blows my mind is he's actually on Facebook. I know. It's, <laughs> it's great to have on Facebook. Uh, well, I, I think that's about all, all I have. You ask the same question. You have to wrap up with the question you always ask. Who was the guy that you looked up to? What what bowler? Did, what was, who was your favorite bowler to watch? Or, or somebody that you looked up to as a bowler or competitor? I can honestly say I didn't. No, there was, um, there was nobody that... I watched a lot of guys bowl. And it's not... I don't want to say it in a bad way, but... I was a kid when I started. At 12 yeah. years old, I, I was averaging 120. At 13, I bowled my first money match and hit over 1,300 for the yeah. 10 games yeah. in a tough house. I was I was ready to bowl then, so right. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't grow up with the Charlie Jutrases, the Fran Anaranos. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up. I mean, we had a lot of nice league bowlers. This Andy Remy and Curly Julian, Stu Bowen was a guy I really liked to watch bowl, but. 
but there was nobody that, oh, okay, I got to watch him bowl. I was a kid. Yeah. So while you yeah, were eating grilled cheese sandwiches, he was out bowling against men. And, you know, it might, be, <laughs> Essentially. it might be my grandfather. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I bowled with him, and, you know, I, I was close to my grandfather. Like I say, I was his boss for a while. When I got married, my grandfather was my best man. Yeah. Okay? And I mean, how's that? That's, yeah. A, a story I'd like to say is when I won the first live show for $10,000, that was the biggest, that was unheard of in this game. Yeah. I owned a two family home, and my grandfather lived downstairs with my mother. And my grandfather didn't want to go to it. He says, I'd rather watch it on TV. I can see better. Mm-hmm. When I got home, wow, brings tears to me. Just thinking, because this is a guy I loved. He's standing in the hallway, waiting for me. Just waiting for me. And he was shaking like a leaf. Like, my student. Yeah. yeah. Look at him. He's on top. He's the best. I mean, that's how I picture my grandfather seeing it. I was mm-hmm. 22. Still a kid. Yeah. Right? But just to see my grandfather, it's like, he's shaking. We had the same relationship, and my first TV taping, he wasn't able to go to, and he was livid. He's like, ah, I already planned this trip, and this and that. So I didn't tell him anything. I told him nothing. I said, all right, I said, we're going to wait. And it was like a month before it aired. You know, so I'm like, I'll, I'll come over, we're going to sit, we're going to watch the show, and... I, my my first first time on TV, I threw a 412. I beat Rich Clark, and which I'm, I'm still like, I don't know how that happened. I was like, in you get in the zone. It, it, that's what it was, and then he's just sitting there and he's watching. It's just smile from ear to ear, yeah. and like like I said, he missed nothing after that. And then right before he passed away, um, about three years ago, we were, I was bowling in mixed worlds up at Lita. And he was, he had stage five melanoma at that point. He's 95 years old. He came up with my father and they sat for seven hours. What just, and like he didn't care. Like he's, he's like, this is great. This is amazing. And we, as a team, we, we threw a team five bagger and I threw the fifth one. And he's just sitting there, he's just like, oh, this is the greatest thing I was. And you know, he, he passed away a couple, couple months later, but like that was, isn't it true what they say, and you know, what you just said, and kind of what I'm talking about? It's a good family sport. Yeah, the family can do it. My grandfather died at 90. He was still working at the bowling alley. He cleaned the lanes, and we still bowled. When I said I, yeah. I would tap him on the shoulders. That was at 90 years old. I was getting him <laughs> that I'm going to kick his butt. And he'd, he'd get his bowling balls, and we'd go at it. Yeah, yeah. And he could still throw. I'm, I don't know, but I'm saying maybe once in a while he might have beat me a string because he could still throw 120 once in a while. He averaged 102, 103. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, but you know, it, it is a family sport. It yeah, really it is. is. And. You could be two years old throwing a ball between your legs, or you can be 90. How many, you know, you, you might have, now, I don't know what your oldest bowler here is, but I'm sure he's up there in years. I don't know. But even they if they're to, in their yeah. 70s, yeah. 80s. Well, we definitely I mean, have someone in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. I mean, they can still bowl. I mean, we had Moose. He was 90, I think. Yeah. That woman, didn't a woman in spare time just throw 100 and she was... 100. Yeah. 102. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But it is a game you can do yeah. Yeah. at any age. Yeah, um, and that's the the beauty of this game. Mm-hmm. And I think Det said it best when he, he called it a blue collar game too. Yeah, where you know people that like to work for things, you know they have to put in the work. It's not going to just it's come to you. Yeah. You asked me earlier, you know, how are you going to get better? You know, I told I said have fun, but practice. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's any sport. Any sport you play, you've got to practice. Oh. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's... uh, Anytime you're back, we would love to have you know, back, too. I said, so my wife, you know, I don't really want to do it. She's, oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you want to do that. We're very happy that you did. You it's have, so it's just nice, to, after all these years, to still be appreciated in this game. I don't think you have an idea it's, how much you're still appreciated. Yeah, you can able and Allie, you can go out and continue it's, The friendships that I've made and the friendships, I don't know you guys. Now I do. Yeah, I feel like we're friends. I mean, just that's the bowling. That's the bowling part of it. The family. Oh, one. Well, actually, one quick story before. So the other time, Canal used to run this teams tournament. It was like the, I don't know if it was like an elimination one, but you can enter a couple different times. There's five man teams, and my team was bowling next to your team. I think it was, it was you in. I think you were bowling with like four house bowlers. I think it was. I'm, I'm not sure. I I couldn't tell you who. And I'm sitting there. I was like 22, 23 years old, and. You nudged me and you're like, I'm gonna throw seven marks this string. What do you think? I'm like, probably. <laughs> well, I don't know, I don't remember that. Uh, and then and then when you were done, you came back, you threw eight. Oh. And I and, and then I I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> like, how does that work? The one story about Canal, it was one of the last tournaments I, I bowled in before I moved to Florida. I picked a seven ten with no wood. Wow. I've only seen that happen. It was only four ten box. But that was my, I can say in Candlepin, I got the 710 yeah. with no wood. Yeah. Um, one of my buddies, the only time I've ever seen it, uh, Sean Taylor, he throws the ball hard. And there was a piece of wood on the deck, never touched it. He, he hit the inside of the seven, and the thing just hit the sidewall, bounced over. That's, you know, I'm like, yeah. that, that is the insane thing. Again. Thank you so much. Well, well thank you for having yeah. me. And now I got a big head again, right? <laughs> you got to have that. The head swelled. Anytime you're back in the area, feel free. If you want to come on again, we'd love to have you again. Well, maybe next year, if we we'll come back up here, yeah, come Perfect. out of retirement for a while. Perfect. I intend on starting to spend maybe four or five months yeah. this way. And, you know, being one of those guys that goes back and forth every nice. year. Like nice, very nice. Well, we'd love to have you back up here. Now I'm going to go to bowl with my grandson. <laughs> that ought to look good. <laughs> Don't say anything how I did, okay? I w- <laughs> it's going to be a challenge. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that was an experience. It absolutely was. And uh, not to fanboy, but it was kind of cool when he said, I feel like you guys are my friends now. <laughs> I got so excited. I know you did. So that was, uh, I mean, I got excited too. I'm not going to lie, but I like making fun of you more. That's fine. So thank you so much to everybody who made that possible. I mean, it, obviously Tommy, Keith Fontaine, Aaron Fontaine yep. came down as well. Brennan O'Dowd kind of hooked that up as well and got the, the ball rolling on that. So thank you to everybody involved. I mean, it's just experience of a lifetime. I don't think Tommy really felt like it was an experience of a lifetime in the sense of he just said we're talking bowling. It's very laid back. It wasn't to him any big moment. It just felt like another day for him. Yeah, I I mean, just his just laid back kind of demeanor and it was just like, eh, you know, it's like I was just bowling. Like, I don't feel like I really did anything. I was just bowling kind of thing, you know? I mean, just just such a natural and for him it was just, you know, another day, another activity and it was was really interesting to hear that perspective of bowling. I know for him, you know, even the three-step approach, I know so many people are so dead set on do it this way, that way and I think Tommy said, I just know how you end up. (laughs) Yeah. So... Well, you end up knocking a lot of pins down. That's what I know from what I've seen. So. It's, all, it's all that matters. Well, let's spare thoughts. We want to uh, 
go through some tournaments that we have had or have coming up. And uh, I actually was at, I did go to the Masons King of the Hill. If you look at the results on the ladder, my name is not there. So obviously I did not bowl exceptionally well, or well at all. They do a great job running that house. Uh, they do a great job running that tournament. They had, I believe, eight bowlers for that tournament on their monthly King of the Hill. They had top four go on the ladder, going on to take on Phil Clough. Mark Uvard ended up losing to Anthony Karen in the first round. Anthony moved on to bowl against Dean Sullivan, beat him in a very close match, 112 to 110 after getting 16 pen handicap. So it was 96 before the handicap was added in. And then Anthony went up against Mike Nardone. And Mike was, I think his worst game of the night was 114 at Mason's. Like that's not, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. No, he just, he felt, I bowled on the same line as he did. And he was just on pretty much all day. He had some halves that were better than others, but for the most part, after every game, he was looking at a one team game. Nice. Very consistent. So Mike uh, ended up beating Anthony Karen 114 to 107. Anthony with a 98 plus the nine pin handicap. Then they do a two stringer for the finals and Mike Nardone went up against the champion, Phil Clough. 251, Mike Nardone beat Phil to 228 with uh, the handicap. So Phil went 108 and 114, Nardone 115, and then finally decided to bowl well and throw a 136, so. Now that's his first, uh, first kick in the hill win, right? Yes, it is. I believe that might be the first time he bowled in that tournament, at least that I know of. He was looking for something to do. He figured, why not? He had posted it, and I was looking for something to do Saturday night, so I figured, what the hell, I would I would go do it. So, a lot of fun. I definitely do want to go back at some point. I don't think I'm going to do the next one, only because it's September 11th, and that's the day of the Pro Series doubles. So, that would be pretty difficult. And uh, also, we might be up there a little bit longer. We're still right. working out some stuff there. So, right. that might be a little tricky. Where I'm trying to talk Mike into going back, because he's like, well, that's a lot of bowling. I said, you're second place money just walk through the door exactly so uh, that was a lot a uh, lot of fun do we have anything else coming up this week we have I don't know something's going on on Friday the 13th I don't think any bowlers are going to that though maybe no? one or two maybe one or two maybe one or two I don't think there's a lot he's not super well known in the bowling world so I don't even know if it's worth mentioning you know what? We might as well anyway, just because, yeah. you know, someone we, someone we may know give, him. We want to give people who aren't typically spoken about some highlights, so we can give this no-name bowler a shout-out here. Uh, so Friday, we have Cheech's Wedding. Yeah, well, congratulations. Obviously, we're all all in love and fun with Cheech. Congratulations. Um, Obviously, to his fiance Barbara, as well. Of course. You know, that I, I'm going to guess they're going to have 50 bowlers there. Oh, easily. So I don't know if they're going to bring a cornball set out or anything else like that, or they're going to try to distance themselves. But, you know, he asked me to sub for him on the Woburn League on Thursday. You know, apparently he's got some stuff from planning to do. I'm not yeah, really sure. I don't know. But, no, it's just being lazy, I, I think. I worked on my wedding day, so I don't want to hear any of this. So. <laughs> what else we got other than that? Uh, Which I think that's invite only. I don't think that's one. Usually we tell people about tournaments so you can show up. If you weren't invited to that one, I wouldn't show up. Yeah, don't. Uh, so Saturday the 14th, we have the 9-pin 10-stringer at Big 20. Nice. Uh, Saturday the 21st, we have the final leg of the uh, Triple Crown at Lita, the 20-stringer. Yeah, now we had Lexi in here. We talked about that a little bit. and There was going to be a prize if somebody had won the Triple Crown. And, yeah. And what's cool about that is even though we're not going to get a Triple Crown winner this year, this is something she was saying she wants to do year in and year out. So that's really right. cool. So you'll be able to hear that one relatively soon. Yep. Uh, Sunday the 22nd, King of the Hill at Spare Time. They're still doing Handicap and Scratch on the same day, I believe. I don't know if right. they... If they set a time. Yeah, I don't think so either. And then Saturday and Sunday, August 28th and 29th, the mixed doubles at 1710. Very nice. So 
a lot of stuff to look forward to this month. It just seems more and more tournaments coming out there. Of course, the Pro Series in September 11th. I'll run the Bears September 25th, and I know there's, I'm sure there's a lot more if we flip the calendar. I also need to give a plug. We have the ACST coming up. I know as I say these words, we're currently filled. By the time we shut this podcast off, we may not be filled. Yeah. So we'll see. But if you're interested, even if we're already filled, please reach out to me. And that way, if there is an opening, we can fill it as quickly as possible. If you're in the pro division, you got to get your money out to Rich Lamone. Um, you can hit him up on Facebook. And if you're in the semi-pro division, give your money to Paul Atkinson. We blew that league up from 12. The pro league's been 32 yep. since it started, I believe. We went on our semi-pro from 12 to 32. So That's awesome. Um, we're hoping to keep that. I wouldn't go any higher than that on either side. I have talked about maybe like a C division if you, this thing keeps going. But it's good to see. I want to see more people bowling these things. And also, it's an excuse to bowl in different houses. Unless you're at a Ryan's or CPL, then you're pretty much going to be in your own house the whole time. Right. So that's all I have. Well, might as well throw it out there that uh, you threw your high five the other day. I did throw my high five. Thank you. Uh, 615. Um and what was good about that night was when I bowled my original high five, I did it in the ACST against Lane Britton. It was very roller coaster. I think I had three 130s and two 10s. Yeah. Uh, this felt pretty good. I think my lowest game was a 116 and my highest game was a 139. So, so pretty consistent. Yeah, it felt really, really good. And obviously that, that high didn't last too long when I went to Mason's and got eaten alive there. But <laughs> we'll see. I mean, uh, I appreciate the shout out and, you know, hopefully big things to come. And now that you mentioned the high five, we've mentioned this before. If you threw a high five, high three, triple strike, something big or somebody in your league did it, please send us a message and let us know. We'd love yeah. to talk about it. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, other than that, that's all I have. That, that's all I got. All right. Well, till next time. Oh, wait. Who do we have next? Uh, next week, we have uh, we have Amy Doobie coming up. Oh, very nice. So she runs the Exeter Pro League, of course, and has a uh, record. We'll get into that, of course, as well. And uh, a lot of good stories from that. And, you know, New Hampshire Bowler. It's great. I mean, it's it's amazing how far people are willing to travel yeah. uh, to be on this podcast. It means the world to, to both of us. And we talk about basically the state of, you know, opinions on women's bowling right now, too. Yeah, and I mean, that's been a very taboo subject, and I think Amy was very open and honest about a lot of her opinions on that, so. Of course, absolutely. But, you know, I think across the board, we all need to do more to maybe market this game, get more people, get your house bowlers up bowling and more, but, you know, I think because it's a percentage game, I think the women got hit a little bit harder than the men. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have that woman that, you know, looks like she's just on the cusp, get her out to a tournament, see, get, we need more, more, more participation across the board for sure. I agree. So thank you very much, and we will talk to you guys next time. Six pins still standing. He must get nine of them. None of them. We go into another two-box roll-on. In double overtime. One of the great, great matches we've ever had. He got it! He got it! Three strikes in a row! All right, Tom Olster is working on a strike. He's at an even 100, plus what he gets on these next two. And that eight. Oh, he has two strikes in a row! One thousand dollars. Two strikes in a row, that's all I'm going to say. He has three strikes in a row! And it is still alive. If he gets another, it'll be another $1,000. All right. He has four in a row! He has $2,000 in bonus money, and he'll be coming back up again. All right, now we go into the final box on Tom Olsen.